this morning we have the joy of having Lung and Teresa Wynn with us, um, and, and, and they're going to share about what they've been doing in, in Vietnam. Um, <clears throat> most of you know them, well, I should not say most, many of you know them, but this church has changed a lot uh, over the last seven years, has it been now, uh, since you guys were here officially, I mean, you know, as a part of the church. Um, but so let me give you a, a, a bit of a backstory. Back in uh, summer of 2006, I believe it was, uh, this young couple, is that the right year? Uh, four. four, that's right, 2004. This young couple arrives with some kids and they're, they're, they're here and uh, they, they were searching for a church. They had moved to the area, but they were also, um, if I might use the terminology, licking their wounds from um, experience in, in pastoral ministry. Um, and in in another state, um, and and those are some pretty rough times that they were going through. And for whatever reason, though they lived way over in um, uh, Ruskin, they locked into this church and decided this is where they wanted to be. So they just drove and connected and became a part uh, of the church and uh, began to get to know them and began to to really trust that the Lord would begin to work in them because. It, what was clear to, to, certainly to me and to the rest of us was, you know, the Lord's got his hand on these folks, and whatever wounds they've been through, he wants to heal those and use them in, in ways uh, to help others in the future. And uh, over the years, um, eventually, uh, Lung ended up coming on staff with us and served here as a, a pastor, and then uh, went, there was a need in, in, in Bradenton, a church we had planted then for a pastor, and he was willing to take the role there. It just seemed to be ideal and serve faithfully there. Uh, and then after a season there, um, found himself just back here, part of the church again, uh, and, and serving faithfully as an elder in a variety of ways, and then went and uh, planted a church seven years ago in, at this point and, uh, in uh, Brandon, not Bradenton, Brandon, two different cities, but uh, Brandon. And the church there, Gulf Coast Community Church, Brandon, is there today. But as of a year ago, uh, right about now, uh, they left all that they knew and went to Vietnam, where they are planning to serve for at least five years and beyond uh, in, in training pastors there. Now, the interesting part of that story is at about, was it 10 years old, Lung left Vietnam? Yeah. Uh, a, a young Buddhist at the time, and his family on a boat escaping the communist regime and so forth. And now he has gone back, with bringing his wife with him, who always had a passion for ministry overseas and in the gospel, um, to, to bring the gospel there. And I'll let him tell you about what they're doing in that regard. So we, we support these guys not only because of what they do, and what they do is a good enough reason, but there are a lot of people that are doing good things. But they're a part of us. There's folks that grew out of what was taking place here and, and were put into ministry and grew, and then the Lord directed them there. And, and so they're, they're not only doing what they're doing because of your investment financially here that then supports them, but because of your investment in each other that was the kind of investment that helped to be a part of their own rescue and their own healing and their own uh, lives that is now ministering there. And that's what we do. 
when we gather together. Who knows who is in this room now that might be somewhere doing things like that in the future and us supporting them. So, Lung. Thank you, brother. Okay, thank you, thank you. Good morning, Gulf Coast. Oh, it's so good to be here. Yes, indeed. It was uh, 2004 that my family and I uh, came to this church, and uh, that one Sunday alone, just one Sunday, all it took uh, for the Lord to say, you belong here. And uh, so, uh, in my mind, we've never left, uh, because everything that we've been involved with ever since have been a part of this church, a part of this work. Um, so, um, you could say that we've been a member of this church for uh, since 2004. So, it's good to be back and... Um, and uh, yeah, I have the privilege of, of being up here and reporting to you all that the Lord is, uh, has been doing through us um, the past year that we've been in, in Vietnam. And, but I want to begin with this uh, word from uh, uh, Paul uh, and how he concluded the book of Ephesians. He says this, So that you may also know how I, I am doing, or how I am, and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you might know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And so at least to Paul, it's important that churches know how he is and what they're doing. Okay, so Tychicus was sent to the church um, in order to share all about the work that is happening and that he could encourage the heart of the people. And so that's what I hope to do this morning. Uh, I was debating really hard whether to do a report and then uh, also preach, but I have found through experience that I tend to do both badly when I attempt to do both things. And so I'm just going to do the reporting this morning. Um, so, yes, it was a year ago, we were sent to uh, Hanoi uh, to minister, to serve the Lord over there, and um, we, all we knew was the fact that God was sending us there, and we're going to be at Hanoi Bible College, so I was going to be a faculty member teaching the New Testament at Hanoi Bible College, and all we had beyond that was a sense that God has more for us, okay? Beyond that, we just don't know what it is, there's no clarity until we arrive, and sure enough, there is much clarity, so I'm so happy to be able to tell you all of that. Um, but one of the things that uh, it's, it's so encouraging to me is the fact that God is doing so much in the world that we don't know nothing about, you know? Because it's so easy for us to just think about uh, our contacts in, in the U.S., and sometimes we can be very discouraged, okay, because of the things that we see and things like that. But the reality is God is doing amazing things all over the world that perhaps you do not know about. For example, a pastor told me a couple of weeks ago, he said, Lung, where do you think the fastest going, growing church is in the world today? Now, I wonder how you would answer that question, right? You would probably say China or somewhere in Asia, or whatever. But he said the fastest growing part of the world or church in the world today is Iran, Iran, uh, the church is growing like crazy, and people would come, and th- I mean, they would go out witnessing on a daily basis, and they would go, and, and they would say to their, uh, to their family, if I come back 
If, or if I don't come back, know that I love you. Okay, because it's a real risk. You know, you go out and you witness, and, and you could lose their, your life. And so, but the Lord is bringing so many people into the kingdom all over the world. And that's exactly what God is doing in Vietnam as well. So if you, I, I could get the, um, the slide to be on um, uh, the slide about what God is doing in Vietnam. Okay, great. Thank you. Yes. Um, you know, I, uh, I have met, you know, so I came to the state when I was uh, 12 years old. So it took uh, some time. I left about 10 years old. I was in a refugee camp for 10 months. Got to know the gospel there because my mom was given a, uh, new, uh, a, a gospel, okay? And she picked it up and started reading, and then, boom, the Lord converted her through that, the reading of the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And she kept reading, 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 and then she would tell uh, uh, stories about what she was reading to her seven kids, and I was one of those. And, um, and eventually, when I came to the States, I became a believer. And now, I never dreamt of this day, but the Lord has sent me back to serve the Lord there. And, and I'm not unique. You know, I'm not unique, because when I'm over in Vietnam, I hear these stories again and again. How many pastors that are serving the church right now came, became believers outside of the country? Okay, so uh, it would be a very common testimony for me to hear a pastor say, you know, I came to Hong Kong hoping to go to another country as a refugee. When I came to Hong Kong, the Lord sent me back, did not allow me to go to another country. But while I was in Hong Kong at the refugee camp, I came to know Christ. And so now I'm back in this country serving the Lord. And that's a common testimony. Uh, our pastor, who is a, a pastor of a church uh, that we attend, he came to Christ in Malaysia. Okay, he came to Malaysia as a young man doing uh, uh, labor over uh, Malaysia, came to know Christ in Malaysia, hated the message at first, kicking and screaming and turning over tables. He literally turned over tables because of his, uh, his brother became a believer. So now the Lord sent them back to Vietnam, so now both he and his brother are serving the Lord in Vietnam. So God is doing those kinds of things, um, just bringing uh, people abroad, teaching the gospel, convert them, and then returning, bringing them back to serve the Lord. We see many young people responding to the gospel. Vietnam as a country is a very young country. People average about 30-something. Uh, high 30s is, is what um, the average age is in, in, in Vietnam. And yet we have these 20-something that are coming to Christ. Uh, in, in incredible numbers. Just give you an example. We serve with the Evangelical, Evangelical Church of Vietnam in the north. Okay? That's what the ECVN uh, stands for, the Evangelical, Evangelical Church of Vietnam, and we serve with the north, uh, the north leadership. So if you talk about Christians in Vietnam, that's the main uh, denomination, if you will. So in 2021, this is in the middle of COVID now, the Lord added 60 new churches to that denomination without them even trying. You know, it's not like, hey, we did a great job. You know, we came up with this plan. We came up with this strategy. We executed it, and boom, 60 churches were added. That was, that's none of that. The Lord naturally just added 60 new churches to this denomination. And so because the Lord is bringing so many people. Um, amazing thing. Happening among the Hmong people. How many of you have heard of the Hmong people? 
Oh, good. That's a good, that's a good number of people. Now, if you're Vietnamese, you belong to an ethnic group, okay? Because there are 54 ethnic groups in Vietnam. And so if you're Vietnamese, you belong to one of those. I belong to an ethnic group called the Kinh ethnic group. And the Kinh ethnic group happened to be the largest ethnic group or dominant ethnic group in Vietnam. But I belong to an ethnic group, the Kinh people. Well, the Hmong people is one of those ethnic groups, uh, uh, people. So about 10 years ago, you could not be evangelized. You could not go to their villages. You could not go up to their mountains where they live and evangelize, bring the gospel to them. Because if you do not belong there, the government would not allow you to, to go there. But that doesn't stop the gospel, right? That does not stop God. What happened was, in the Philippines, there's a radio program by a Vietnamese broadcasting the gospel from the Philippines. And these Hmong people in Vietnam, in the mountains, received this, the, the radio uh, program and came to Christ by the thousands. Okay? By the thousands. And of course, when people come to Christ like that, false teachers arise and cults uh, arise and things like that as well. So people are rising up claiming to be the Christ and people are following them, believing in them. Well, soon the leadership of the Hmong people realize, wait a minute, we need help. We need somebody to care for us, to, 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 to lead us because we are uh, young believers ourselves. And so what they did was they came to Hanoi and they asked the leadership team at the time was only responsible for a handful of churches. Now, we're talking about five pastors here who are responsible for the few churches that there were in the north at the time. This, we're talking about only a decade, okay? Well, these leaders came to them and said, hey, look, this is our situation. We need your help. Would you be willing to take us under your wing and care for us and train us and equip us? Well, the... the um, the president of the denomination told me that their responsibility literally increased by 100,000 members overnight. 100,000 members became believers because of the radio waves. And so now, instead of just a handful of churches, there are over 1,300 churches in North Vietnam. So that's another example of how God is moving in, uh, in, in, in Vietnam. So, as you can imagine, the current need is there, and also on top of that, you know, we have, uh, do I have a slide on, okay. Uh, but let me talk to you about the, the, the other dangers as well, before I talk about this particular side here. Um, uh, cults uh, and false teaching is penetrating the church in Vietnam as well. So not only do we have a need to equip and raise up leaders and train pastors for the existing churches, but you have false teaching, false teachers, other cults coming in. The cults don't just come from the U.S., they come from South Korea. Vietnam is, has a really close relationship with South Korea. Vietnamese people, they love South Korea. There's a big influence, there's a big population of South Korea in Vietnam. And so, of course, they bring wonderful things. There are so many uh, missionaries in Vietnam. They do wonderful work. But there are also among them false teachers and people that uh, promote the cults in, from uh, South Korea. And so that's another source of threat that the church is uh, facing. And so, as you can imagine, huge need. And then also, um, 
the cults and, and, and false teaching, but as well as legalism. Legalism is rampant in the church in Vietnam. If you can imagine, you grow up in a Buddhist uh, culture, so everything is about what you need to do, how to be a good person, okay? Um, uh, and, 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 and then a shame-based culture. You have to, you have to uh, um, uh, in order to protect your, 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 your family, in order to protect your own uh, uh, dignity, you have to, uh, what do you call it? What's the word I'm looking for? Conform, yes, conform to society. So it's all about external things. It's all about being good. And what happens when you don't understand what, what the gospel really is? You end up preaching legalism and traditions rather than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we see again and again and again and again. That's my, was not my number one concern about the church in Vietnam before going, and it's just being there just confirms it for me. A lot of, a lot of you know, well-meaning pastors, they, they love the church, they love the Lord, but what they end up doing is just promoting traditions and promoting legalism in their churches as well. So it, it, the need is absolutely incredible. I want to show you a map of Vietnam. Uh, yes, right there. Now, uh, you, you've heard about Vietnam, right? But, but I wonder how many of you understand how big Vietnam is. Okay, so I superimpose, this map here superimposes Vietnam onto the U.S. So if you look at the bottom of Vietnam, it touches the panhandle, okay? But the north of Vietnam is upper Michigan, okay? So it's a long, long country, all right? So um, where Atlanta is, about Ho Chi Minh City there on the bottom, that's about where Atlanta would be. That's the, the biggest city in Vietnam. We serve in Hanoi, which is where Detroit is, Okay, so imagine that's the distance. So when we fly from uh, Hanoi to uh, 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 Saigon or Ho Chi Minh City, it's like flying from Detroit to uh, Atlanta. And so on the right-hand side, uh, you see the, 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 the country is divided into two uh, back in 1954 because of the, the war. And um, because of that, it became necessary to have two different leadership teams to care for the church in Vietnam. And so what happened in 1954 was the parallel line was, was, uh, was drawn, and then the upper part of Vietnam belonged to the uh, communist government, and then the southern part of Vietnam belonged to the uh, uh, democratic um, uh, of Vietnam. And so, um, but, but it, it, what it also happened was all the Christians, the Christians went to the south, okay? And so it literally drained the north of all the Christians, only a handful of people remained in the north. And so ever since then, the north has been severely persecuted, um, unlike the south. The south is prospering, but the north has been under a lot of persecution since 1954. And because of that, um, the, the north has not been able to thrive and, um, um, in the ministry. But that's what we are. We're serving with the leadership in the north. And so in the next uh, slide, you see the, the need of the church there. So we got 1,300 churches uh, in the north. The north is responsible for 40 million people. The whole country is 100 million people, 60 million in the south, and 40 million in the north. So the north now has 1,300 churches, but only about 770 pastors slash leaders. And many of these people are not trained, they're not equipped. They just happen to be willing and available 
to lead the congregation that they are part of. Okay, so that's the situation. And then on top of that, the Lord is adding new churches every year to the church in Vietnam. Now, this is only talking about the evangelical church of Vietnam. We don't know what's happening in, among the Baptist congregations or among the Presbyterian congregations, so on and so forth. Okay? And so I imagine that's, that's growth there as well. But the challenge for us to also is the fact that at, at Hanoi Bible College, we could only graduate 45 students every two years. And the reason for that is because of the, the limited resources that we have. Limited in terms of facility and limited in terms of faculty. The facility, we share the, the building with, um, with the main church in Hanoi. It's a small facility. Uh, but we share the building with the main church in Hanoi. And we share that also with the denominational offices. And then we have the school on top of that. And so we have two classrooms to work with, two classrooms. And so each classroom has to fit 40 and 45 students. And so when the, the students sit, I can't even go between their chairs because there's no room. So that's how tight it is. We also have three dorm rooms for the students. One is for the, the women and two for the men. And each of the dorm rooms, we stuff, we literally stuff 14 men to a room. And each room is not that big. You know, when the chair, I mean, when, when the, the bunk beds are together, you got about a foot in between the beds. Half of the students have to live off the dorm, off campus, about 45 minutes away, and they live in a single house sharing one bathroom. 38 of them. 38 of them. Okay, so 6 o'clock, they get up, they go to the school, have their breakfast, stay at the school all day long, and then go back. So the school... Um, is a four-year Bachelor of Theology degree, and they seek the, the international standards. So a Bachelor of Theology means you have to have 120 credits. Okay, so they're full-time, they're learning, eating. And most of these students are head of the homes, and so it's a big sacrifice for them. They are head of the household. So when they're at school full-time, who's going to care for their families? Who's going to care for their wives and kids? Well, the Lord provides for them through the land that they have. And so that whatever they're able to grow, that's what they eat. Uh, but it's a big sacrifice. But what's also amazing is this. The school has been in existence for 10 years. And we've been, uh, it took five years to graduate the first batch of students. And we can count less than 10 students that dropped out in the 10 years that we've been around. Less, fewer than 10 students dropped out. So it speaks to the level of commitment that these, these students have. And you think, well, maybe they are, they are in their early 20s, but reality is no. I have a bunch of students in, my, in, the, in their 30s. I even have doctors that, that quit uh, the medical field, have a nice job, medical doctor, sends the call and gave himself to, uh, to, the, uh, to studying uh, to be equipped to serve the church. I mean, we have, we have stories like that all the time. So it's amazing. We have a, a student who had to sell one of his, well, the family, the family water buffalo in order to go to school. The fam, family water buffalo. You have one water buffalo. In, in many cases, that's the one water, water buffalo that you raise year after year. You know, here in the U.S., we would raise a cow or something. It's months, right? Months before they, uh, you, you, they're sold to the, 
the slaughterhouse. And, uh, but there, it, it takes year, several years to raise a water buffalo. Well, he made a sacrifice, sell the water buffalo in order to go to school. So that's the kind of th- commitment that we're seeing among these believers over there. Um, so I want to show you, uh, so begin, can you go to the uh, how we are helping to make a difference slide? There you go, thank you. How we're making, so by being there, uh, we're able to make a big difference. Now, when I say we, I mean all of us. Okay, Teresa and I are there on, on the ground, but without you, we could not be there. Okay, so I want to remind you, this is what I want you to be encouraged by. This is our work. This is our work together. Okay, you're the sending us, we are there doing the work. So first of all, we, we train future leaders through Hanoi Bible College. So I'm there again as a, a, a professor um, um, specializing in the New Testament. So in the, that's me to the left there. So you can see how, the, how tiny that room is really. 40 students in that room. Okay, in the middle is the Hanoi Bible College. So the front row, that's the faculty and the leadership. Okay, faculty and the leadership. So we got p- professors from uh, Korea. We have professors from uh, Australia. Uh, and then we have professors from uh, the U.S. Okay, but there are only a handful of us. There are only a handful of us um, uh, that, uh, that, that does this. So we are very limited. Uh, and then the, on the right-hand side, uh, go back to the other slide. Uh, on the right-hand side is the new facility uh, that we're moving into this, this year. So by the grace of God, we are moving into a new facility, and um, this new facility will only have two classrooms. <laughs> yes, but the one thing that it is able to do is it's able to accommodate all the students on the same site, okay? So half of them don't have to be, live off the, the, the campus anymore. Um, so the, the, the school will be in debt for the very first time. Okay, because of this new facility, and it is also going to be our own. We do not have to share with other uh, organizations. So we're looking forward to that, hoping to move in this, um, this, um, this Christmas. Now, I, I just want to share with you um, wh- something that, that you perhaps do not know. You know, our friend, um, he's the, 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 my Amer- American colleague. He's been there for 10 years, basically from the beginning, helping to start the school, laying the foundation for the school. He said, here in America, when we welcome in students in a Bible college or a seminary, they tend to come full. They know a lot. They know a lot. Now, some of what they know may not be correct. Okay, we may have to adjust and, and, and teach them differently, but they know a whole lot. But in Vietnam, they come empty. They come empty. And that's, they, they, they're hungry, they are, a lot of them are new believers, they want to learn, they, they are ready to be poured into. And what a joy it has been for me to teach these students. And so, last year I, t- I taught a class on Galatians. And one of the days, about five students surrounded me after class. And they were so excited because we had talked about this particular passage in this class. And, and, and it was like the light had just gone on, on for them because they thought they knew Christianity, and yet that text shows them that they had misunderstood Christianity. They thought that you had to earn your favor with God, that you had to live a certain way, do certain things in order to please God, in order to be counted righteous before God. 
But that text Paul laid out for, 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 for them very clearly that it is through faith in Jesus Christ that you are justified before God. And so they surrounded me. And they just, it's like the first time they heard the gospel. You know? And, and one girl even said to me, Pastor, it makes me want to obey Jesus even more. Wow. You, you could see the freedom that they had just experienced or was beginning to experience. You know? And so these are the kinds of stories that, that we, we uh, encounter again and again and again. It, it's absolutely amazing. So that's how one way that we make a difference uh, in Vietnam. But here's another way that we make a difference in Vietnam. is this through these, uh, The next slide shows the preaching uh, conference or the uh, preaching workshops. Now, you may have not heard about this, but uh, the Simeon Trust is an organization that does one thing, help pastors in their work of preaching. And uh, I started going uh, to, uh, to their workshops here in the U.S., and I just love their work. Um, and so I, one day I said, uh, I, I contacted the Simeon Trust uh, out of Chicago. I said, would you guys be willing to bring this workshop to Vietnam and help the Vietnamese pastors? And by the grace of God, I said, yes, we're willing to do that. And so I've been the key guy uh, to, to make this happen in Vietnam ever since. So since um, a few years back, I've been going once a year to Vietnam for about a week to do the workshop, a Simeon Trust workshop. And so this continues to, to uh, prosper. And so by the, the fact that Teresa and I are on site in Vietnam allow us to do more of these. And so last year, we did three Simeon Trust workshops. Now, th these workshops minister to the people that are serving right now, okay? Because we're aiming at people, pastors, that are preaching on a regular basis. That's what these workshops are for. And so not only do we train the future leaders of the church, but we are training current leaders of the church through these workshops. Uh, and, and, and we're just hearing, again, many, many testimonies, how effective it has been, how fruitful it has been through these workshops. Um, this gentleman on the left here, he came to me after this previous workshop, and he said, Pastor, the last workshop I attended, I was so distracted by things at home, by things at the church, I was not able to pay much attention. But I went home and applied some of what I was able to grasp from the workshop. And it has changed the way I understand the Bible. It has changed and has helped me so much in understanding the Bible. Just by applying some of the principles that we taught him. And he was so excited. I'm just so grateful for that. And then another pastor, another, on another occasion, um, he, he came to the uh, workshop. And, and he seemed to be so distracted. And I happen to know throughout my conversation and introductions that he is the pastor of the largest church among the, the people in that workshop. His church was about 1,200 people. Okay? And so he, but he came to the workshop. And uh, while I was teaching, he seemed to be disinterested. He seemed to be distracted. And so I didn't know what to say. You know, I thought, maybe he knows too much. Maybe he said, you know what, I don't care about this, whatever. I, basically, I was judging the guy. Okay, I felt bad, okay. <laughs> but the following year, you know what, he came and he said to me, Pastor, last year it was so helpful for me. I have this disease, I have this condition that, that is so painful. And last year when I was at the workshop, I was so in so much pain. In fact, this pastor, his wife travels with him wherever he goes as his nurse. 
Okay? So imagine this sick man all the time. He may be sick. But he's been assigned this, this big church uh, to care for. And he preaches on, on average five sermons a Sunday. Five different sermons. Not five times the same sermon. Five different sermons because they have five services. And the rule of thumb is if people go to two services, they need to hear two different sermons. Okay? So that's how they did so, but he came to the workshop, and the following uh, workshop, he said, Pastor, I was in so much pain, I couldn't concentrate, I couldn't, but it was so helpful. It has transformed how I prepare, it has transformed how I preach, and it has transformed our people. And I was like, wow, wow, that's just another testimony. So he brought somebody else with him at that workshop. I'm so, so excited. So that's another thing that we get to do. We get to continue these workshops in this country. Last year, we had three workshops. This year, we're hoping to increase it by four workshops, uh, to four workshops. So ultimately, what we want is to see these workshops available all over the country. So any pastor at all, wherever they are, could, could go to these, one of these workshops. So uh, that's just a wonderful, wonderful ministry there. And then uh, another way that we are able to help while we're there, this is, this, is, uh, you know, this is beyond the Hanoi Bible College here. We went over there thinking, okay, there's an international church in Hanoi that speaks English and where in the international uh, go to church. Okay? If you're a Christian and if you're an uh, uh, um, expat, uh, you would go to this, to this church. So we thought, okay, we'll probably end up there. My wife has to learn Vietnamese and so, you know, probably at least for the first year. So that was our thinking. But after visiting that church for two Sundays, we just feel, felt like, you know, I don't think the Lord wants us to be here. Okay? That's nothing to do with the church. It's just this a sense of the Holy Spirit leading us elsewhere. So we, we went and visited other churches, and we ended up at this particular church, just with a church plant of all churches, a church plant. It, it started two months before we arrived. And after that one Sunday, we knew this is where the Lord wanted us to be. But unbeknownst to us, it's a church plan where the leaders don't know what they were doing. <laughs> it, it, it was started simply because people were coming to Christ. There's a young lady in the church who said, she's a young believer herself. And she said, you know what, one day she had this idea. What if I start a TikTok channel to teach people about Jesus, about Christianity? Okay. So that, that came to her mind. And so she said, you know, is this my idea or is it God's idea? Okay? So she asked around. She asked her husband. And so and in, in the end, she decided, okay, let's, let's start it anyway. And whoever comes, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll teach the Bible to them. Well, within weeks, her TikTok channel got over 50,000 followers. 50,000 followers all over the country coming to the TikTok channel. The TikTok channel is called Cafe Le Jour. Cafe means coffee. Le Jour means God's word. Okay, God's word coffee shop, basically. Okay, so on a weekly basis, she would teach basic Christianity to anybody who was willing to hear. And, and there are Buddhist monks. There's a young lady in a Buddhist temple in the south. Now, we're up in the north. Young lady in a Buddhist temple preparing to be a Buddhist monk got a hold of this TikTok channel and began learning about Christ. 
And so she gave a testimony that she, on, a, on a daily basis she would do her chores in, this, in the Buddhist temple. But then she got, and then at night she would read her Bible and, and, and attend this TikTok channel. Okay? In the Buddhist temple. And so when people come to Christ, they would be encouraged to find a local church, get plugged in, and get baptized there. Okay? And we have the privilege of seeing some of these people coming to our church. But the church started because of this TikTok channel. They're like, okay, well, TikTok channel, people are coming to Christ. What do we do with these people? We start a church. Okay? That's what, that's what literally happened to the church. So for a little bit of time, the church was called the TikTok church. That was their nickname. Okay? Well, when we got there, soon we realized, wait a minute, the leadership team, the leadership, they don't seem to know what they're doing. Just to give an example, okay? They were trying to come up with a name for the church, okay? And so they have been meeting together, they've been gathering to talk about the work and all that, and, and they still don't even have a name. That's why we call, we're called the TikTok church, because we have no name. And come to find out, one of the leaders told me, you know, Pastor, when, when, when we gathered together, we gathered together for several times to try to pick a name. And we would start with three good names. And we managed to, uh, to, to narrow them down to five. <laughs> and that's how it worked. Okay. So I said, guy, okay. Okay. Let's, 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 okay, I'll show you a few things. Okay. So within two hours, we, we met, we, we scheduled a meeting, we met two hours, we got a beautiful name. They picked it, I didn't pick it, I just walked them through the process, and they came up with Logos Church. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely love it. In Vietnamese, it's Hội Thánh Lời Chúa, God's Word Church. And I absolutely love that, that, that name. Anyway, so this is some of the pictures that you see here. In the middle, these are the leadership, uh, uh, some of the leaders, uh, team, the leadership team. The pastor, by the way, is a Vietnamese pastor who met his missionary wife from Iowa. She came from Iowa to Vietnam as a missionary. They met, fell in love, and got married. And the the pastor is a graduate of Hanoi Bible College. So the pastor is Vietnamese. It's a Vietnamese-speaking church trying to reach Vietnamese for Jesus Christ. But here in the middle, we have the leadership team. These are missionaries from, um, from the States. Um, you know, their heart are wonderful. They are golden. I mean, we love them. They love that. The heart is great. Um, they came with the idea of planting a church. But one day I asked them, hey, how many of you have ever been part of a church plant? One. <laughs> one person in our team. One person. And she was just only attending a church plant. Anyways, so it may... Uh, made things clear for me. Anyway, so that's what we're doing. On the left-hand side, we, that's a class that I'm teaching. The p- lady in the front, there, that's a TikTok uh, young lady. Her name is Ding, which means angel. So in that class, there are people that are wanting to plant churches. But I was just teaching them, how do you read the Bible and get the meaning out of the Bible? Okay, rather than preaching your own thoughts, thinking about your own thoughts, because that's a very common thing. You read the Bible and you make observations. Okay, here's an idea, here's an idea, here's a thought. But I'm saying, no, look, you, you, need to, you need to understand what God is saying through those texts. And how do you do that? Okay, so they're just loving it. So they're growing. And so imagine if you're teaching the Bible and you don't know how to do it, uh, how to get the, the meaning out of the text yourself. So that's the kind of class. So we're meeting with them uh, in the middle. We're meeting with the leadership team. And then on the right-hand side, we're meeting in a coffee shop talking about 
how do you, how, what do you need to consider as church planters, so on and so forth. But here's another thing, the way that we um, make a difference over there. Uh, by mentoring, uh, the next slide we have people um, mentoring and equipping couples for marriage ministry. Okay? Again, this is one of those things that we did not plan for. You know? And um, a couple came to us and said, Pastor, you know, we've been married for two years and uh, we really want to know what the Bible teaches about marriage. You know, what the Bible teaches about marriage. We want to, we want to understand uh, marriage because that's our heart. Our heart is to help people in their marriages. And so, um, they came and, and said, you know, but whenever we talk to our pastors, whenever we talk to our other leaders, the counsel that they give us seem to be rooted in traditions rather than the word of God. And so they came to us and said, would you help us? Would you help us walk through biblical marriages and what it's looked like? Because, um, because that's their heart. And, um, and so we're meeting with them on a, a twice a month to help them understand biblical marriage. And then on the right-hand side, if you can imagine, you know, it's already, uh, that's a great need to minister to everybody, but there's a bi- even a bigger need to minister to youth, to young people. Okay, and so the, the leaders of the main church in Hanoi came to me and said, Pastor, we have a bunch of youth and we need help. Can you help teach our youth? Can you help equip our youth? Because they have a lot of questions that we need answered. Could you help us? And so initially I said, you know what? My youth days are over. Okay, that was my behind. I used to be a junior high teacher, okay? And I loved every minute of it. But the reason why, one of the reasons why I, 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 I resigned or, or moved on was because I knew my youth days are over. So, I, you know, my initial reaction was, okay, you know what, no. <laughs> but just to be faithful, uh, I said, you know what, let me pray. You know, because you don't want to lean on your own wisdom, right? Lean not on your own understanding, Okay. And so I said, okay, let me pray about it. Well, it didn't take long for the Lord to say, no, I want you to be a part of that ministry. (laughs) Yeah, and so they gave me a list of about 15 questions and said, okay, really good questions too. You know, how do you know if you're a Christian? Okay, so this argues when we return, how how do you love your neighbor as yourself? That's the question they want me answered, to be answered, or me to answer, help them understand, okay? So these are the kinds of questions we're, 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 we're talking about. So I meet with uh, the youth there on a regular basis. So that's just a snapshot of the kinds of things that God is doing uh, through us, which is an absolutely amazing thing. You know, remember, Vietnam is a communist country. Okay? Vietnam is a communist country. But, but it's changing so much. God is doing so much in Vietnam right now that I'm just stunned by his, what he's doing there. Only a few years ago, a handful of years ago, there's no way that you could dream of having a religious visa to go into the country. Never dream. And yet, that's the kind of visa that Teresa and I have when we enter Vietnam. A religious visa. What that means is they give us permission, or me, permission to preach the gospel in the country. So, I'm not sneaking around. Okay, I'm preaching the gospel in these churches and not get arrest for, arrested for it. 
which is amazing, okay? So on top of that, so there are so many doors, okay? Paul says, uh, in the next slide, you would, this, is, uh, this is your work. Uh, okay. So in 1 Corinthians 6, 6, he ended this, the letter by saying, A wide door for effective work has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries. That was true of Paul. So he said, I need to stay at Ephesus. And that's true of us. Okay. There, a wide door of effective ministry has been opened to us, and there are many adversaries. And so even though Teresa and I made a commitment for a minimum of five years, we can actually see ourselves being there for the rest of our lives because that's a lifetime of work that needs to be done in the country. And I want to remind you again, brothers and sisters, that this is our work. Okay? You are the ones who are sending us. Well, they ask, we're kind of like that, um, the thing that sunk the uh, Titanic, what is it? The iceberg, that's it, okay. <laughs> but use in a positive way. We're not sinking anything, okay? We're not sinking, okay? But, you know, the iceberg, the top you can be seen, right? But the bigger part is on the bottom that cannot be seen. Okay, that's you guys, okay? That's you and others that are partnering with us. Gulf Coast Community Church, Brandon, you know, and other churches uh, that are partnering with us. That's you guys. You guys that cannot be seen. We're the people that are seen. But, um, so it's, it's our work together. So I, I hope you, you are encouraged by that. Um, we are doing great things. God is doing great things through us. So five things, uh, prayer points, and we'll, we'll, uh, uh, we're done. Grace to accomplish much more uh, than we can imagine. Oh, brothers and sisters, I don't want to think what can we do. I want to think, what can God do through us? That's what I, how I want to imagine. That's how I want to think about this, okay? What can God do through us? Okay, and so I want to encourage you to think that way and to pray to that end. Secondly, protection from our enemies and all of his schemes. We realize that we've been under attack a lot, okay? Um, so you're on the field, man, you're going to be under spiritual attack a lot, so we don't ever want to forget that it's a spiritual battle that we're fighting. And three, number three, resources to work with and budget to remain healthy. When we left for Vietnam last year, we had over 100% of our report, uh, uh, support. And then over the, over the year, uh, um, things, people have had to uh, decrease their support some because of the economic, we understand that. And so now we're, un, uh, we're at 94%. So if you could please pray for that to be raised um, to 100% before we leave. And we'll leave, by the way, on the, the 25th, which is uh, a week. Yeah, a week or so. Okay. Wisdom to say yes to the right opportunities. There are so many good opportunities, but we want to say yes only to the opportunities that the Lord has for us. And then continue favor and freedom to minister. This, I'm, I'm stunned. I'm absolutely stunned by the freedom that we have uh, to minister in this country by the grace of God. So, two things. If you uh, want to be on our mailing list, we do a report every month, update. If you want to be on our report, please sign. We have a, a, a book, notebook in the back. Just give us your, your information. We do it through email. And then we also have a prayer card uh, you can pick up in the back as well. So, uh, please pick up one up. You do not have one already.
aren't you glad that we are a part of what they're doing in Vietnam? Amen. <laughs> Teresa, could you, could you join us? And, and honey, would you come up and join us? I just want to take some time and pray for these guys. I want all of us to be praying, but we'll, we'll be here. And you stretch your hand this way and, and add your faith. Um, Father, <laughs> Lung shared highlights. He shared much of the good things that are happening. But we know that behind the scenes, there's also hard things. And just the physical strain of all that work, it can be painstaking. So we pray that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them, that you would fill them with joy, for the joy of the Lord is our strength, that you would give them hope and continue to restore their hope, that you would comfort them in the things where they uh, need comfort, where they long to be with their children and long to be closer to home. Comfort them with the, ho- the comfort only you can give. Lord, we pray that you would provide for them, that you would strengthen the churches that are supporting them, that they might provide more, that you would uh, bring others around them and, and to them that would be able to help them. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. And, and they will be, you've got, are you going to be at the back here afterwards? So be back there afterward. Please take some time to talk to them, engage them as you desire. Um, I came prepared in the event that uh, Lung finished on time. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, uh, Lung's a good pastor. What do, you, what do you think? But I came prepared. Well, I could do a short 15-minute sermon, uh, but we're not going to do that. We'll just save that for another time. Um, but I, I, I do want to talk to you about some things because I think there are probably some here that maybe, maybe this morning stirred you, but maybe it's been a while since you've been stirred. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Maybe, maybe you've tasted, like many of us in the past, you've tasted that the Lord is good. You know what that taste is like. But maybe it's been a while since you've tasted. Maybe you've grown cold. Maybe it's, you've gotten to where there's a distaste that that sometimes he doesn't, oh my, apparently my, my do not disturb came off because we, we went to time. No, we're not. That's my brother-in-law, by the way. <clears throat> the weird thing is, is he knows I'm a pastor. <clears throat> it, like, really? <clears throat> it's her brother, what can I say? <laughs> it's the woman you gave me, Lord. <clears throat> uh. <clears throat> yeah, right, right, yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> um, you know, <clears throat> in, in 2021, in August of 2021, I, or July and into August, I uh, got COVID, and, and um, uh, Donna had it, and then I got it, and <clears throat> I, I came out of that. D- during COVID, I lost my taste and smell. I mean, like coffee tasted like a cup of chemicals. It was the weirdest thing, and I mean, food was awful for about three days or so, and then it started to come back. And, but then I, I discovered over the next several months, because there are certain foods that you don't eat all the time, that I, I discovered that there were 
certain things that just, like, they didn't just lose their taste. That would have been pleasant. No, they tasted awful. And some of my very favorite things, the first thing I noticed, because it was something that I regularly would be anything with coconut in it, began to taste awful. And I loved coconut, and you know, but, but coconut or any, anything with butter or, or fats in it, creams, uh, they, they tasted strange. They were edible, but they were strange. Um, but then the, the harder things came. Like, I, I love eating wings. I don't eat them all the time, but go get wings. I always ordered extra celery because I, I love the celery with my wings. You know, I get extra celery. Most people don't. I don't want the celery, but I wanted it. But I'd start, like, the first couple of times I got wings after that, I, I just began to think that this particular restaurant had rotten celery. They didn't keep it right or, or something. Uh, but then Donna was making something with celery, and, and, and I knew hers was fresh, and like it tasted the same rotten celery. And the next thing you know, I, I realized if I'm in a room that celery is in the room, it stinks, and I need to leave the room. It's just like bad. And that wasn't so bad, but then um, about a year ago, Memorial Day, we went up to Georgia. And of course, when you're in Georgia, you might go pick peaches, or in this case, we got to go to the place that picks them, and you just get the thirds and you, at a good price. And we're on our way back, and we get home, and everybody's eating peaches, and I love peaches. They're like one of my very favorite things, and, and, and I'm eating a peach, and everybody's talking about how good they are, and I'm thinking, this is disgusting. So finally, I asked, honey, could you taste this peach? And, 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 and she tastes it, and she, I, she says, oh, that's really good. I'm like, like, sweet? She's like, yeah, sweet as sugar. And I'm like, really? Because it tastes like vomit to me. I mean, you know, <clears throat> it's really bizarre. My other favorite fruit would be watermelon, peaches and watermelon. I mean, it's, it's a hard one. It's a toss-up as far as how good they are. And so, of course, <clears throat> we had watermelon as the summer came on. This is now summer of 2022 uh, because I hadn't really had watermelon at the end of, of 2021. I didn't really notice. And <clears throat> if I did, it was in a fruit salad, and it's like, yeah, it's bad watermelon, whatever. So you just kind of ignore it because that wouldn't be so uncommon. <laughs> but that's where they put the bad watermelon is in the fruit salad, you know. <clears throat> but... <laughs> But, but, but we get watermelon, and the next thing you know is, is like, like, is that good? Yeah. Really? Is, is it sweet? Yeah. Really? Because, now, watermelon didn't taste like vomit like the peaches did, thankfully. But it just tasted weird, and it, I mean, no matter how sweet people told me it was to them, it just didn't have any sweetness to me at all. Now, of course, ice cream still tasted sweet, so thank God ice cream was good, and I, I could survive and live, and, you know, the world could go on. Uh, cilantro. I, I, you know, I was the guy that like extra cilantro, loved cilantro, had to take the cilantro off of anything. <clears throat> um, well, then about a month ago, I got sick again, some sort of flu. You might remember I, I was um, at home, uh, you know, one Sunday. And anyway, <clears throat> um, so, so uh, got through that. It was, it was a lousy flu. I don't know if it was COVID or not, didn't go get checked, didn't have the symptoms of COVID because I'd had COVID once in last year. I had COVID again, but you know, I know what that feels like. This didn't feel, but it was some kind of flu. And when I got better, we had the, the, the funeral for the Muma family and, and uh, Debbie Henderson had uh, made some chicken salad. And somebody told me that, oh, there's some chicken salad in a bowl in there because I don't eat bread, you know, gluten-free. And so they said some chicken salad in a bowl. And then I, I'm eating it and I notice there's these little green chunks in there. Like, that looks an awful lot like celery. So I hunt Debbie down because somebody told me she made it. And I says, uh, what, you know, she probably was like, why is he asking such a weird question? But, but I asked her, I says, is that celery? She said, yes. I said, wow, that's awesome <laughs> because it tasted good. <clears throat> and so I went over to the fruit salad and I got a little chunk of watermelon. I, you know, ooh, that tastes good. 
<clears throat> and, and, and we were just on our way back. We, we stopped and got peaches in Georgia on our way back from vacation in North Carolina. And um, by the way, if you ever, there's a Bucky's uh, just south of Byron. And there's a fruit, a lady that set up in this little fruit stand across from Bucky's, right across the little side street from Bucky's. We got the best watermelon and the best peaches we've had in our lifetime right there. They weren't cheap, but they were worth every penny. <clears throat> but anyway, the peaches and the watermelon were just utterly amazing. Suddenly, I crave these things again that I had lost my taste for. And I think sometimes that's how it is with the Lord. We lose our taste because we, we, we stop tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And in the process, even the things that once were sweet begin to seem sour or unappealing to us. But I think this morning the Lord wants to restore our taste. And if that's you this morning, if you've been in a place where you long to taste and see that the Lord is good once again, he wants to meet you this morning. In that way. Maybe some of the things Lung shared stirred your heart afresh. Maybe you've been being stirred coming in before you even came this morning. But we want to pray for you if that's you. So if we can invite the worship team forward. And I just want to take a a moment um, and pray. If that's you, you know who you are. Let's just take a moment and pray for you and for each of you here. Pray for those around you. If that's not you, if that is you, receive this prayer. And even those of you here, because, you know, the reality is you can be leading in the worship team and you might get to where the tasting seems sour and you need to be restored in your taste. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that you would restore our spiritual taste. That we would taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. All the good things of the Lord would begin to be sweet again to each one. In Jesus' name.